0: You're such a goober.
1: I feel I must be, because that is who I truly am. And yet, in the irony of it all, I do not like peanuts.
0: that That's the... Okay, no, it's dads that have bad jokes, not moms. Oh, oh. That is such a terrible joke. Thank you. Uh-huh. Hey everybody, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jody. And this is the Unremarkable Podcast. See that? He took control back. I had to say it. Oh. Gosh, that's so weird. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Today, we're still going to talk to you about the adventures and lack thereof of the life of the pastor's family. I was going to say pastor's wife, but there's more than just me. Uh, And uh, we wanted to hone in on the excellent challenge of parenting.
0: Parenting. I mean, like, I get up on stage, and I talk about what the Bible has to say about parenting. And, um, And what that does is it draws everyone's attention to our parenting.
1: But let's go all the way back to the great introduction to the world of hey you're going to be parents and all those fabulous books like what to expect when you're expecting (laughs)
0: like that like that right there it's not how you normally talk to me but let's go back (coughs) i'm sorry i'm making fun of you i'm sorry what do you want to talk about
1: this is how our real life goes i talk and you destroy and there we are
0: Mm.
1: yeah there you go people Mm. maybe we won't talk about parenting maybe we'll talk about communication struggles Mm.
0: Mm.
1: Mooing more mooing in church. Okay, parenting.
0: Parenting. So you want to talk about the books we read? Because I, I don't know that I read. I mean, I skimmed some books. I
1: think I bought three books on how to pick a name. Yes. And we ended up picking a name that we both loved, which also happened to ironically be the name that the <laughs> baby born on Friends was called.
0: Yes, Emma. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> the The thing that I loved about about parent names uh-huh. so it, is that. You know, as we're, we're picking the names of our kids, like, everyone had an opinion. Yes. And so I can remember, like, like, we had some names we settled on, and we called our families, and we're like, hey, what do you think on these names? And they get well, they got shot down.
1: Well, our first run through of names, which all of you should do this, as much as I hated it, but it's it's true, was I would shoot out a name and Jeremy
0: told me what that child would be called in the locker room. That's right. Because here's the thing, you cannot name your child a name that then is gonna get made fun of. We will not say names right now because no, absolutely. all of you probably like, have a kid everybody with a that a certain named, name. Everybody that named your kid like Tucker. Jody runs with Bloaty. Right. Everybody that named your kid Tucker like you did your child a disservice.
1: So sorry, I do like the name Tucker. It was top on my list, but
0: but you can't name a poor little boy that. Well, they're they're out there, dear. I know, and I'm praying for them. All of you guys that are Tuckers out there, I'm praying for you because it's got to be hard on the baseball team.
1: Okay, stop moving on. (laughs) We're talking about that one (laughs) specific name.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, every parent that has, I mean, yeah, we're in hate mail now. So it's all right. At least we'll get mail. true. Um, yeah, so like
1: but then we also did the what to expect when you're expecting, and took every class. And oh my gosh, and,
0: y'all! So like, imagine we go to we go to the parenting classes, and that's yes. fine. They teach us how to like change diapers and stuff. <laughs> but then we got we went to the breastfeeding class. You can't get past that. Like you've been like impressed or scarred.
1: First one all, or the other. We
0: went to the breastfeeding class. and Went to the Lamaze class.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: in the Lamaze class, Lamaze they put, was first. They put some of you ladies in these positions. <laughs> And Don't they, wear a dress, to and they, and they made you, they, they made you like, like, they, like we would have to massage you, that sort of stuff. And initially, my first, on the shoulders. Yeah, well, or wherever, like backs, whatever it does. But initially, my first thought was, this is what got some of them in this situation, <laughs> like them doing what they're doing right now. And some of the noises these ladies were making <laughs> made me uncomfortable.
1: Avert your eyes. Avert your. Eyes. That's right.
0: I'm just trying to love Jesus, you know. <laughs> They are, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. Um, uh, And then the breastfeeding class. Like, for those of us that grew up, like, I grew up in the Everyman's Battle phase. Like, you know, <laughs> where we got the, the book. It was like well, like was a book that was actually opening up a door because before that, you didn't talk about it. Yeah, you just didn't talk about it. But Everyman's Battle, I think it's what Auduburn, it talks about, like, strategies for overcoming lustful thoughts and, 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 you know, things that just young men battle with. And one of the skills that it teaches you is, is what he calls to bounce your eyes. Bounce. It's it's when you see something you know you shouldn't be looking at. Bounce, baby, bounce. And you bounce, bounce. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> um anyway, you go to breastfeeding class and there's boobs everywhere. Now let me clarify it. I feel like we moved away from parenting uh, at this point. No, that
1: for kicker class, if you've never been to it, not not all the women there are out like breastfeeding. Like it's just they show you all these well, videos. They haven't
0: had babies yet.
1: And, well, I don't want them to think you walk in the room and every woman there says, okay, do I you know, breastfeed now? And, but
0: there's, there's actually a foam pillow boob. They passed around a stuffed <laughs> boob. Listen. Listen, I, I was, how old were we? We were like 24? No, we were we were old than that. We no, were 27, was, 28. Yeah, 27. Like, I'd spent the last, you know, probably 15 years of my life training <laughs> my eyes to bounce when they saw something they shouldn't see. There was nowhere to bounce in this class. Everywhere you moved, there was a styrofoam boob or a, or a, a plush or a video of something, and I didn't I didn't know what to do. I was just so thankful my friends weren't there.
1: But that class, though, as funny as it is, is kind of a, a preparing you for growing up to parent because you are now going to encounter us. Other people your age who are going to be exposing this to nurture a child, and yes. therefore
0: we got to grow perfectly up perfectly natural. Listen, and I know you guys can email email me and tell me how immature I am. I, I get <laughs> it. Like I get it. There's a middle school boy trapped inside of me. I understand, but it was one of the weirdest things ever. I
1: will say though, along with that, parenting shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like oh, we should had to take this class. If I could go back now. All the things I bought and shouldn't have bought, like, I could have probably saved thousands of dollars of things that, like, they need one developmental toy for this, and we need one car seat, and, and we thought we needed it all.
0: Yeah, and it's probably something you shouldn't tell me now, this, this many years down the road, but... It's too late. A little late now. We can't go back and get yeah. all that back. No. Um, it's interesting, though, when you move from, like, first child to second child and so on down the line... Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you tend to buy less. I had some friends in Texas who, who had four, and um, and and this was like we had just had one, and they were getting ready to go on vacation. They were headed to, to South Dakota or North Dakota or something like that on vacation, and um, I was talking about how do you pack for these four children because they were they range from like ten all the way down to baby. And um, and the mom was one. She was like, "Listen, with the first kid, you have like you know like half of the car is their stuff that you're packing when you go on a trip. Yes. By the time you get to the fourth kid, you're just like, just throw some diapers in the car. We're good. Like you just <laughs> you don't even think about anything for them. Like they it's will just...
1: play with the rocks in the yard.
0: <laughs> My goodness gracious. My goodness gracious. Well, the thing that that I think makes being a pastor's family and a minister's family so unique with regard to raising kids is not only do we have the responsibility for teaching what the Bible says about raising kids. But also, like, then we raise children kind of in a fishbowl.
1: Yes. And that also goes into the shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like, I I went and thought we needed X, Y, and Z and, and, and still battled that and finally had to start telling myself, no, I don't, because I thought— We needed X, Y, and Z because people were watching to make sure we had X, Y, and Z for our kid. And we had done it this way. And we had had, because everybody has um, advice, no matter their age. Right. Everybody has unsolicited advice in church.
0: Sure. No, absolutely. And of
1: course, in Walmart, too, the lady will come up and tell you something, but especially
0: in church. Well, and I think what makes it particularly difficult for us in church is that. You know, when a celebrity in a, in a fishbowl has a baby, it's fine. They can be eccentric. They can name their kid Northwest or whatever they want to name Apple. their kid. Apple. Um, Banana. Everything we do gets measured up against not just what the Word of God has to say, but, but by everyone's individual interpretation of the Word of God. So yes. when we make a decision about parenting, it's not just a decision that we make as a couple. Like, we are so aware that there are other people that are looking at that and judging that decision. Yes. Like... It's not just a question of whether we, we do bottle or breastfeeding. Right. Like whichever one we choose is is, is some Judge. sort of statement. Right. Like we're making a statement. It's not a matter of whether we do public school or private school or home school.
1: Hmm.
0: Every decision we make about that is a statement. It's not a matter of whether you stay home with your kids, you know, and, and, and don't work outside of the home or you work outside of the home. Like when we make that decision, there's a statement and, and I don't know if you felt this, Jody. I felt the need to justify it. Like every every decision we made, I felt the need to justify.
1: For a long time, I did. Yeah, um, I felt like I, I had to justify a lot of things. I'm, I'm getting better about it, but there's you know there's still comments made to us every once in a while about them being the pastor's kid, and there's still comments about um, you know this activity or this comment or this behavior. Um, and I think now I'm in the realm of. Um, what i feel obligatory towards as a parent in terms of volunteering and, mm-hmm. and 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 of course that's always been going on like it was it's been pushed and sold in in the church community that if you birthed one you better help with them and um, and i and i'm not opposed to that but at the same time um, there are people who are parents who are not gifted with other people's babies
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i don't think we should Talk about them behind their back because they're not volunteering in the nursery. Sure.
0: Well, and I think you know we we've, we've been at churches, and I even as a pastor have instituted policies where you know everyone serves on a rotation. You know, when you become a member of the church, you're going to do your time. Yes, serve. Um, <clears throat> I do think that that um, you know at Crosswind we went to two services, and the reason we went to two services early on was sure. not it was not because we needed space in the sanctuary. It was because we wanted. To allow some consistency amongst volunteers and from from babies all the way up, and that meant that we had to provide an opportunity for someone to volunteer in a service and go to a service. Yes, in the same on the same Sunday. But
1: that obligatory thing, because they've been outside of the church, like they they feel this pressure to be room mom, and they feel the pressure to be yeah. um, the mops leader, and they feel yeah. the pressure to be at every mm-hmm. library's Monday event and the ho- you know, during the summer break, and so there's this. Well, Pressure.
0: I, that's right. And I, I would love to hear you kind of talk about this because, you know, there was a period of time after we had the kids where you still felt the need to, you know, to to be a youth small group leader, to work in our children's ministry, to sing on the praise team, to lead whatever committee it may be. And you were all you, you were you felt the need to kind of be in a lot of different areas. And here, I'm really proud of you, and, and this kind of flies in the face of what's thought, I think, about Pastor's Wife, but here in the last <laughs> probably 12 months or so, you've just kind of said, you know what, there's a season in my life where I'm going to serve and I'm going to be completely 100% involved in every activity that I can be. And then there's times where I need to go, you know what, my responsibility needs to be somewhere else. Uh, my gifting needs to be somewhere else. And you kind of took a step back. How do you arrive at that?
1: Um... <laughs> Unknown mentoring. So I listen to um, blogs and I listen to podcasts of various women of um, different ages and stages of life. And um, I I probably would give one credit to uh, a lady by the name of Mary Sutherland. Mary um, is also a pastor's wife and she, um, she... um, Girlfriends of God, if you have not read their podcast and, or read their blog, they do a devotional and it's fantastic. But she talked about how she hit a point where she um, she's kind of hit a wall and um, realized that she was ineffective and being a part of the – the church and therefore she needed to step away and she had surrounded herself with some people to help her do that and i don't necessarily think i've surrounded myself i've just kind of just decided that's what's needed to do so i can be effective um and so what happens what got me to this place let me backtrack was um i am very capable of seeing a need Um, hey, this could be better this way, or someone's got to do this. And I think there's a lot of people in the church that do that, but I think a lot of ministers' wives do that, not just senior pastors, ministers' wives. I've seen music ministers' wives. I've seen youth ministers' wives, um, spouses of any kind of ministry service, and they see a need and they say, okay, Uh, It's like waiting for that um, silence to be broken in class, and you're just going to raise your hand and answer the question. It's the same with this. I see this need. I'll do it. I'll just do it. Somebody else. Nobody's going to volunteer. I'll just do it. And so I've done that with a lot of different things. And I've realized I need to step back and recognize what my true skill set is so that I can be effective for the kingdom. Because. I love kids, and I can tell stories during Bible school, and um, I can I can do things on the fly. Like we had an evening one time where none of the none of the technical technical stuff was working, and I just told the story and engaged the kids, and I, and it was so fun. And I can do that, but um, I I hate asking people to do things. So, therefore, the idea of sitting down and delegating roles to people is not my skill set. So I don't need to be in that particular role. Um, but I'll tell
0: stories and, and goof off all day long. Right. There's, there's a lot of things that you do well. Um, there's a lot of things you, that you don't do well. There's a lot of things that I do well and things I don't do well. We're trying to—Em and I had a conversation tonight about trying to figure out the things that she does well and then doing those things.
1: And she's still so young in that, like the, the whole concept of— uh, I, kn- I know things I was better at at her age than I'm than I am now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's part of parenting too. Is I, I felt obligated to help with youth because I'm great with that age range. However, um, I, I, I don't think that it was. I don't know if that that's what God called me to do. Simply because of that, um, that's what I'm good at. Because I do that all day at my job. is work with that age range. Right. Um, so, and it doesn't mean that I may still go back into that. I'm not going to say no to that, but
0: I did feel God clearly say step away. Right. And, and so I was inspired so much. I don't, I don't know if you were, but I was so inspired. Sandra Stanley, who is the wife of Andy Stanley at North Point Church, they have quite a bit more influence and, and, and a bigger platform and all that. But one of the things that she said that, like, over and over again during this season in her life, when her kids were growing up, they were in middle school, high school, um, she kept going back to Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah had a specific calling on his life to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And um, he had some people that were trying to distract him from that, uh, that vision that God had put on his heart. Yeah. And, and um, he sends this message back to them. They're trying to get him to come down from his work on the wall. And, and in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, um, it says, I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should I, the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? And the way that she talked about that was, hey, right now my role as a mother, my role as a nurturer to my children, my role as somebody that's going to um, come alongside and be a helper to my husband and, and, uh, and support him in this way. Like right now in this season, that's where we are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to get distracted by the stuff that I know needs to be done at the church. Um, I'm not going to get distracted by the VBSs. And by the the you know the the bathrooms that need to be cleaned or whatever it is down down at the church, I, I'm doing a great work right now where I am, and I, and I cannot come down. And and now you've seen in her life as the kids have gotten older, they're all now in college. Like now she's starting to write, she's starting to speak, she's starting mm-hmm. to open up a lot more because that that season of her life is over. And I think there will be a time where you step back onto the stage and sing again, and there will be a time where you step back into roles that you once held. Um, but right now in the season, you have to kind of stop. I, I want to say this, and then I'll get you to talk about it again. But one of the things that inevitably people are going to kind of push back from is they're going, well, listen, everybody needs to be serving using their gifts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say and, and you are serving using your gifts you, you're you're just doing it in 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 a different capacity a different capacity, right than maybe you would by volunteering on a weekly basis as a small group leader for third grade girls or something like that.
1: Yeah. And I'll, and I'll be honest. It's, it's a battle of, as a, as a parent, um, there's my transparency because there's that part of me that sees um, people in the weeds parenting and working and they're modeling for their children what it's like to serve, um, and so you know, like you know, there are missionaries who do not say, "I'm going to wait till I raise my kids to so go out on the mission field." They take them with them, sure. and they go out on the mission sure. field, and they're in the, they're right there with them in the midst of it. And but um, it's a fine line. Of I want my kids to know they don't dictate my life, so um, that that's important. That I don't stop everything I'm doing in order to. Um, to completely be devoted to, you know, chauffeuring them around. But at the same time, um, I want to be available for them so that they have a mom to check their homework and they have um, a mom that can... Um, come watch their games, and it can yeah. take off um, when they have the flu, yeah. that kind of thing. And um, when I'm overwhelmed because my hours outside of my job um, no longer allow me to be this um, the third most important role I wear, um, then then there's too much on my plate. And that's and I'll be honest too. That's a problem that Jody Powell struggles with all the time. Is mm-hmm. um, and I've I've, I've uh, committed 2019 to. Figuring out what has what further has to come off the plate, so I can finish strong, um, and finish, and finish each role strong. Like mom, wife,
0: um, child of God. You know, those are the first three. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I always felt the need to justify was when we started having kids, and all of our friends started having kids. Um, a lot of these moms were just insistent, "I'm going to stay home with my kids," which is such a noble calling. Um, and I so love that um, I didn't make enough money for for you to be able to do that I was, oh, Jeremy. gosh I wish, you know if only anyway um, you know you don't get <laughs> in the ministry to make money I, like there was no way we could have we could have survived um,
1: ramen I at mean.
0: least it survived and had some semblance of right. of uh, of standard well, of living. Well, let me
1: clarify too. There's a lot of stay-at-home moms married to pastors. Um, our medical
0: um, situation
1: merits a need for stronger um,
0: insurance than just provided by the local church. Yeah. So our yeah, that was a big, big deal for us. In yeah. fact, but when we moved back to Alabama, and and you had Abigail, we had an opportunity where we were like, now we can afford it. Now you're going to stay home, and um, and you did, and it it did not go well. No. Um, And I think God tried to
1: entice me to to follow His calling. I had actually had a um, a job that was presented to me. It sought me out instead of me um, seeking for a job. And I should have taken it because I think that was God saying, no, no, this is not going to go well. You need to go back to work. Um, But I decided to stay home with Abby. And it wasn't just me that struggled, and I struggled. Um, Not just being a stay-at-home mom, but um, we lived in a very rural area. And I... I am a goer. I, I, I need to go. And in order to go, I got to get out and go 30 minutes before I arrive anywhere. And so that was hard. But I watched Emma in her tiny young age, um, revert out of the, um, extrovert she'd become and become more introverted. And because she was at home with me all the time and, um, she started hiding behind my legs and, and things like that, and I thought, no, 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 this is not what I want. I want her to be brave and strong and um, and confident in who she is, which we're still but still struggling
0: with it. Yeah, we're
1: still battle, but that's okay because um, she's she's amazing.
0: So when you decided, Matt, finally, you you pulled the trigger, and you're like, I've got to go back to work. Yes. I mean, there was a the medical insurance thing was an issue for us. I mean, it was it was a ten thousand dollar swing. In in salary, just you getting medical insurance. Yep, yep. Um, and and so like you getting medical insurance was a big deal. Um, but you decided to go back for our kids, and it went really really well. And and the thing that I just want to take time out to say, and maybe you as a mom can speak more to this, but like there are there like staying at home with a kid is a calling, and I'm so thankful for for moms yes. that do that. My mom stayed home for a couple years before she went back. My to My mom work. just stayed home the whole time. Yeah. What? That work side jobs, sure, and 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 then there's other moms that I see that just hustle. And Jody Powell has been one of those moms that just hustles. And you're able to be there, and you're able to to, to do so much and to work. And it, it, it probably makes it. Um, I'm not going to say either any job is harder or easier, but but it's another level um, that's kind of added to that. And one of the things that I think you've struggled with at that is there are times when, like today, Abigail was sick. Yeah. Where my job is a little bit more flexible, I can work from home, Right, you can't. Not um, really, no. And so, there, have you dealt with some mom guilt with regard to some of that stuff? Often, yes. How do you battle that?
1: Um, well, um, you know, I, I think that's my next point. Um, there's two things I wanted to make sure to touch on, and one of those is being present. And so um, I know a lot of cool, amazing um, working moms who do things that I aspire to do, and that's speaking and writing and so forth. And they have to step away to go and write um, because not a lot gets done writing when there's um, somebody that goes up to your feet every 10 minutes and go away for weekends to speak and, and, and impact women. And and so um, when you're there, be present. And so when I'm not at work... Um, um, be present. So when I got home today, first thing I did was went up to Abigail and talked with her and connected with her and saw how she was feeling and um, helped with homework and tried to find you know make one of her favorite meals to see if she could eat. And so she had my attention, not social media, not the television, not um, you know. I did some chores in the intermingling with serving her and being with her, but. Um, but, I
0: can't sit still. But I don't feel the the dad guilt. Like it, it, like you said to me today at one point like you got home and you said thank you so much for rearranging your schedule and hanging out with Abby and my response is well of, of course I'll do that. Like right. that's what that's what it means to be a parent in my mind. Like I'm glad to go and be the guy that that is able to go and get their their purple folder when they leave it at home and take it to the school. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad to be the guy that gets to that gets to call into the office and go, "Hey, I'm working at the house today. Call me if you need me." But I need to be here in case you know Abby needs me. Um, those are things that that like as a dad, it allows me an opportunity to to connect with my girls in a way that maybe maybe some dads don't get to connect. Yeah. Um, especially with girls. Yeah. Um, I, I can remember uh, a little side note. I can remember Emma played softball and they did it. They were doing a daddy daughter game um, for softball. And, um, and the coach came up to Jody and was like, what can we do for the moms? Like, this is something really, it's like dad and daughter, you know, is there something for the moms? And I just said, Hey, as a dad, can I speak out for just a minute? Like there's a lot of things that moms and daughters get to do together. Like there's a lot of conversations that happen behind closed doors and stuff like that, that <laughs> frankly, I don't want to be a part of, but, right. but nonetheless, like there's a handful of things, you know, daddy, daughter dances, daddy, daughter games, like, that's it. There's not a lot for right. us, and so whenever I get an opportunity to to load Abby up in the Jeep and drive her to the doctor because that's what she needs, like there's a, there's a there's a, a joy that I find in that. I'm, I'm sad she's sick, obviously, right? But I'm happy to do that.
1: I think our generation is is doing a better oh. job at that connection, though. Um, we're so aware of the absence of, of male um, impact and in, in youth, and I guess I'm. Aware of it even more so in my job as a counselor. But I think our our generation is doing a better job of recognizing there's such a need for male mentorship or just fathers. And, you know, I see daddy-daughter dances more often now, but I also see um, opportunities for, um, you know, I see a lot more parents intentionally having daddy-daughter dates. And I see them posting on Instagram and stuff like that. And it's so, um, guys— let me just tell you. And if there's an absence of a dad in your life, use a grandfather, use an uncle, use yeah. a good friend. Yeah. That young lady so needs to know what it is to be treated like a lady before she starts dating the the guy that could be Mr. Right. It. She needs to know long before. And right. so there needs to be a man that takes her. And not just don't wait for a daddy-daughter dance at school take her to dinner, open the door, um, teach yeah. her how to order the menu and how to put the napkin in her plate in her lap. And, and those are things that um, a dad can do, and it makes her feel like a princess, and which is what every girl wants, even at 40.
0: Right, yeah. Um, that's good. So the thing that, that I wanted to really share with the folks that are listening um, is, is something I think we, we still probably struggle with this a little bit, um, but we've had to get to a point where we're okay with it. And it is like just because you see something is trending. Right. Um, just because you see your friends doing all of these things, that doesn't mean that that's what is going to fit for your family. Um, you, you have to try to figure out what is going to fit for your family, what is going to be best for your kids, what's going to be best for, 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 for mom and for dad. And then stop comparing your your life and your parenting to everyone else's parenting. Um, you know what was it Teddy Roosevelt that said that comparison robs us of our joy? Yes, and I think that's so so incredibly true. But saying this is what God call has called our family to do; these are the things we've decided to do, and 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 then be confident in that. And, yeah. and along the way, you're going to make mistakes, but that's yes. part of that's part of parenting, isn't it?
1: Yes. Um, I think to touch on two different things with that. Like, first, because we have girls, again, so um, those of you with boys, I'll I'll try to touch on that, but just um, bear with us. Um, Feeding their passion. So... Um, we see a lot of things are trending. Of um, we, is, 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 this is a big deal for us as a pastor family of um, allowing your kids to be involved in activities, sports, oh. and so forth. And we are all about that. We want our kids to have a passion, to enjoy their extracurricular, um, to, um, to to just go and to light up yeah. and, 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 and excitement about something. Right. But it's so often now that that's something becomes it's almost a necessity for um, a child to play that sport off season sure. to train off season sure. um, so that they can actually participate in the school sport um, right. and be a part of that um, and um, and we agreed together and this is something we would encourage you to decide before you start having kids or if you have kids already, perhaps, before they start participating, is we decided that Sunday was sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Sunday is not sacred because it needs to be um, a a state of a date to be sacred. It needs to be sacred because it's the time to recognize corporate worship
0: to our Holy Father. Well, we Um, just know—so, for instance, we know that what we put in the calendar is what our kids will view as important. Yeah. And so if we if we want our kids to know that uh, that softball is important or that theater is important, then we will build our schedule around those things right um, but because we believe that corporate worship is important, we want we want our kids to know this is something that matters to us and we're going to work our schedule around this.
1: Yes now there have been opportunities where our kids have had an invitation to participate in something. Um, and we've had the privilege of um, church service be existing where they were going. Um, or um, But we do not make a, a habit uh, yeah. of that. We, we want them to know that, um, you know, Sunday's a time where we reflect on the blessings that God has given us with our fellow believers. The, the blessings that we have been given should be something we say thanks for every day. Of course. I don't, I don't think anybody misunderstands that. Mm-hmm. I, I think. There but were, we wanted to prioritize so that our kids yeah. would have that when they're adults yeah. and move
0: on. But there were a couple things, and I'm glad you brought this up because there were a couple things that kind of early on we we made some we made some rules about as parents, and we kind of said they're they're kind of guardrails, right? We're going to put right. these put these guardrails up in safe areas so that that if we have to cross them, it's not the end of the world, but we really don't want to. So. So that like a cup one of them was Sunday, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to keep corporate worship a part of it. Yeah. That's a guardrail. So <clears throat> like at Crosswind we have two two services. So what we said was that if we have a travel ball game at eleven o'clock and we can get to the nine thirty service and be done at ten thirty and be at the ball field at eleven, why well, that's okay. Yeah, right? That, right? That that's the kind of thing that, that that we talk that we're kind of talking about. We also made a couple other rules. I'll run through some of these really quick because these were these were rules that the pals made that, as our kids have gotten older, we've realized are a little bit. Some of them are easy to keep. Some of them are harder to keep. Right. So we said no dating until they're sixteen. I'm good with that. Which was a compromise on my part because I was shooting for like mid thirties. <laughs>
1: <coughs> Here's but. the sixteen rule. Let me put it to you in a in a in a practical way, dads
0: and moms. Can your daughter drive the getaway car? Right. So, so, but time out. <laughs> I don't want to in any way. I don't. I don't want. I want to fight the urge to justify our decisions.
1: No, these no, don't have I'm to be their decisions.
0: They, these were what we decided. So, like right. we decided. We decided sixteen was our day for, 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 for dating. Right. Yes. Um. Now that has been something that even you and I have found has been contentious. You know, because then we get the the mom of a boy that calls us up and says. Can can I take you know my son and your daughter to dinner and I'll be there or or me and yes. my husband will be there, and we've had to be like we've 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 had to kind of sit down you and I and kind of go what do we think about that because Joe I think you are more okay with that than I am,
1: well but at the same time I understood <clears throat> that here's the thing with that like <laughs> um like I, I was okay with it but at We're the same have a fight on
0: the podcast no
1: no no I was okay with it but the 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 concern is. Um, we have to con- convey to our children clarity. And so if we're going to be okay with it, um, this situation, would we be okay with it in another situation? Right. And, you, and mm-hmm. there's, that's not clarity. Wrong. So
0: we had to do that. So, so that was one of the things we said. Another thing we said was um, you're not going to go to Panama City Beach for, for senior week.
1: Yes, which when we're you, not there yet, but right. I still am pretty firm no, on
0: that. No, I'm, I'm I'm cool with that, and, and like to the point where we've been like, we'll take them wherever they else want to go. Yep. Like, we'll we'll spend the money. We'll take them to Europe. We'll take them <laughs> to the Cayman Islands. We don't care. We'll we'll take them somewhere. Yes. We, we we're not going to send them down there into that. We've seen too many terrible videos no. that occur. Yeah. Now that having been said, um, that doesn't mean that necessarily we would be totally against them on a trip with their friends somewhere in in certain circumstances. Um, but, but we, we, we certainly are going, man, here's, here's the, here's the guardrail that we just want to check up with. Right, right, right. One that, one that, that we set early, early on that, uh, that, that we have had like tough discussions about was with girls. We have girls. We said no bikinis. Yes. That was a rule we made. And what we said was we want to set that rule early. I remember you and I having the conversation. We'll set it early when they're little. Because there's going to come a day where we have to, if we don't set it when they're little, there's going to come a day when they're teenagers and we have to say, something's changed and now you can't wear them. Before Correct. you could, last year you could, and this year you can't. Um, but now that we've got a girl that's an eighth grader, we've got a girl that's a, that's a sixth grader, fifth grader, fifth grader, um, like we, we kind of said, okay, that was our guardrail. What does it actually look like in praxis? Okay. And and we've 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 kind of we've kind of flexed on that just a little bit.
1: Well, the, the, here's <clears throat> the logistics of the two piece. So, <laughs> tankini is a two piece, and my girls are really short, but a tankini does not for Some reason work in terms of covering their torso, it's kind of weird because they're they, apparently they have long torsos and they're only like four foot two. But, um, so logistics on that is um, girls and moms going to the bathroom, like it's just not fun going to the bathroom with a one piece. So, now, um, the other thing we've been battling is what, what a, a less covering two piece, so like a sports top, and um, we still don't have anything that's. Like revealing, but a sports type, can that be worn in a in a company that's not mixed? Like just the girls
0: sleep at going swimming, and that's still questionable because usually there's a dad. Right. So one of the things that that we've said, and and again, we're just going to come back to man, you have to have conversations about this. Yeah. You have to be aware. So, um, from a from a male's standpoint, let me let me just speak to that because we already have discovered that there's a middle school boy inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that we know is that when I was little, if I wanted to, when I was little, when I was in middle school or high school, if I wanted to see one of my classmates, um, in a bikini or, or something like that, I had to go to, a to a pool where they were. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Which meant for me, it meant I had to get invited, which normally didn't happen anyway. Um, <laughs> but regardless of that, in the world of social media now, all it takes is a, is a mom taking a picture. Or or, uh, uh, or you know a friend taking a picture, and they post it to Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever, maybe Twitter, um, Snapchat. And now uh, uh, I, I had a friend who said this, a, f- a friend of mine that we went to college with that has a teenage boy. He said, my my middle school boy can download Instagram, and he can scroll through a cornucopia of girls in bikinis that go to his class, that, that are in his class. And he can go, and he scroll, and he doesn't even have to leave his own bedroom. And and so first of all, it is not my daughter's responsibility to keep that young man from 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 engaging right. in lustful activity. That's right. not it. The the thing for me as a dad is I don't want my daughter being that object. Um, right. does that make sense? And so I'm right. trying to protect her. The, 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 so there's that fine line <clears throat> that you have to decide if what
1: what gives your your child um, identity and who they are and confidence in who they are and you don't want to squelch that and being um, confident and feeling right. beautiful, yeah, um, and that's a big deal because um, for some reason, um, you know, those kind of outfits did make girls feel different kinds of confidence. Well, um, but at the same time, you don't want your child to be a stumbling block for somebody else, well, and yeah. to have that kind of awkward relationship with somebody. Right? I mean,
0: we've had friends that that were taught modesty. The, the girls you that are friends that were taught modesty from the time they were little, 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 little. And and then when they finally did get married and— They and were embarrassed they, and They're ashamed. still embarrassed and shamed by their body. And that's not what it's about. I think no. when, when the pendulum swung away or swung back towards modesty, praise God it did. But one of the unintended consequences on a bunch of young ladies was it, it made them Shame. feel ashamed of Shame. their figure, of their body, which it, God has given them. And good grief. Listen, I don't want my daughters to be an object of lust— from any stupid middle school boy, but at the same time, I never want them to be ashamed of their curves. I never want them to be ashamed of what makes them a woman. No, and that's where God designed them. <clears throat> and so we've got to figure that out as parents, and we're wrestling with it. Like, yeah. like we've said, you know, maybe in in if it's just the girls at the pool, that's fine. Maybe maybe in certain circumstances this may be okay. Um, in other circumstances, absolutely not. And and the 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 thing that I think we keep coming back to is. It takes very open communication between Jody and I. It takes very open communication with our teenage daughters, so that we say, "This is not just a rule for rule's sake. This is a rule because we have your best interest at heart." Right. And and, and, and that's why we're tr- trying everything we can. And when we screw up, saying we screwed up, hey, that was that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. We're learning.
1: Oh, my God! But at the same time, you know, there's that. <clears throat> anyway, with that, we're learning and trying to figure out what's best. So just bear with us as we're growing through that. Yeah.
0: And, um, and so the wrestle that I've had as a pastor, you, you want to address something I'm sorry?
1: Well, that fashion goes beyond swimsuits, too. We're also trying sure. to understand how to appropriately dress because society is—, um, is uh, It's full of different styles and fashion senses. And we don't want, again, our our girls to dress in a way that um, makes them feel ashamed or embarrassed to be exactly who they are. But at the same time, we want them to to be proud of who they are and to have um, no hesitation about what they're wearing or how they're displaying themselves.
0: Right. And so, like, I I think one of the... um Uh, one of the biggest, uh, books that I read and and I'm trying to remember it. I can't, unfortunately. It's one of the great things about our podcast is we obviously aren't always prepared, but (laughs) one of the great books that that we talked about was was this idea that telling our daughters that you are a billboard, your, your body is a billboard and you are going to attract the type of guys that you advertise for. Right. And if you want a guy that's going to treat you like an object, then, then it's real easy to show them the object. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if you want a guy that's going to treat you like a woman, like a lady, then then there's a way that you dress, and you can do that in a confident way. You can do that in a way that flatters your figure. You can do that in a way that that is. And, and so trying to figure that out, like I don't even begin to understand um, all of those details. But um, but we're working on it. But as a pastor, this is what I wanted to say earlier, Joe, and I, um, and, and I just want this to be an encouragement hopefully to, to pastors that are listening, ministers that are listening, if, if you're in a church and you've got a pastor, like, please pay attention to this. Like, it is okay for you to make a mistake. Like, yeah. it, oh, my gosh, it is okay for you to go, hey, this is, this is the position I thought I was going to take. Right. And now, and now that we're, we're a little farther down the road and our experiences has changed a little bit and, and, and you know, things have shifted a little bit, now we're going, hey, here's where we're going to be as well. And, and it's okay for us to go, good grief, I, I, I came out on this, or I said this, or I did this, or I meant this, and this is, this is still my end goal, but, but, but we're having to adapt and change just a little bit. If other moms and dads in your congregation are allowed that grace then you're allowed that grace as well, right. and Jody and I are allowed that grace as well. And and we don't have to justify that any more than going, yeah, maybe I was a little—maybe I, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I, I needed to adjust my stance on that a little bit, one way or the other.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's just that, you know, we again, we're raising kids who are in a bowl, a fishbowl, and so we want to make sure that they um, are carrying themselves with class, but at the same time carrying themselves— to be who they are. Um, we don't want. There's so many. I have gone through so many different identities, trying to figure out who I want to be and where I want to rest and um, and what my true um, fashion is, what my true um, passions are, and uh, and um, re- rekindling that and re- um, establishing who I am is um, something I just desperately want to do in a way that. Um, teaches my girls to be true to who they are. Um, they need to respect themselves. Um, and that's something I wanted to elaborate on as well as um, being at peace with who you are. So that you don't have to please. Um, not just all the peers, but all the congregants that you feel like are staring at you too, because they know and they feel it. Um, They're aware that you're looking at their skirt length. They're aware Mm -hmm. that you're looking at their shoe choice. They're aware that you're um, evaluating um, their neckline. They're aware aware that you're checking their hair. Um, It's um, whether you know it or not, they do, they do know. And, and, um, and we're working hard to make sure that they respect themselves, but at the same time, present themselves in a way that's respectful, and also teaching them how to respect um, others. Um, and that's something I wanted to talk about. If you're done talking about um, presentation and, and how they how they carry themselves,
0: well, the book the book that I'm thinking about is is called Enough: Ten Things We Should Be Telling Teenage Girls by Kate Connor um was really good uh, about kind of kind of um, teaching us and helping us you, you know figure out how uh maybe that what are those areas that we're telling our kids that they should be ashamed of their body they should be ashamed of whatever um mm-hmm. that's not godly that's not scriptural um and, and uh,
1: I just went through every <clears throat> ounce of it like I, I went through a I feel like I needed to wear a muumuu to a a rebellious spirit where I was wearing You know, holy jeans with lace underneath, and then I went through. um, um, How dare you be the temptress that you know of man? And so I feel like it's gone back and forth and back and forth. And there's that just finding that happy medium of being who you are. Right? um, Absolutely.
0: All right, you want to talk about what's remarkable? Yeah, Jeremy, what's remarkable to you right now? <laughs> what is remarkable to me is uh, this new cereal I found tonight at Sam's. It is called um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch Churros. We're gonna have to do a whole episode on food. Cinnamon Toast Crunch Churros. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 amazing. Um, Taco
1: Bell, bring back the churro.
0: They don't have churros anymore. No.
1: What why sad do you think world do we live in? I would be ordering them every time if they did.
0: Okay, Jody, what's remarkable to you? Well, I'm gonna stay on food. Charcuterie boards.
1: Charcuterie I snack on them all the time.
0: You love you love the word charcuterie. Yeah, it's cuterie. <laughs> Charcuterie. I I bought you some. tonight, Jody sent me to Sam's. It's another Sam's, but Trader Joe's too. Give me some. Not only did I get. Yeah, it was funny. Well, side note, we were getting ready to go to Sam's, and I said to Emma, we're in Jackson and um, about an hour from home, and I said to Emma, hey, we'll go to Sam's, and then um, if you want, we'll get some Chick fil A to eat on the way home. Chick
1: fil A. She
0: said, (laughs) stick with me. (laughs) Don't check the rabbits. She said, if we play our cards right, we can eat dinner at Sam's if they have all of the samples My out. girl. And she
1: knows.
0: Um, but it was late. There was no one Monday there. Monday night. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so you asked me on the list at Sam's to get charcuterie cheese and charcuterie meats. Then you did. You delivered. I, I cannot. I just can't get over the word charcuterie. What do you want to call it? What? Well, Meat think, and cheese tray. Yeah. Like, I want to go redneck. Let's go back to Alabama. That's, we what? even have to have fancy crackers too. We can't just have, oh
1: but Ritz. Gosh. I will say that's a weakness. I'm yeah. a carb lover, and you give me a
0: Ritz. <clears throat> it's
1: like it's like a oh, whichever.
0: That's how Abigail eats everything. So, sure, <laughs> what is what is remarkable to you? Who is remarkable to you, Jenny? Who's oh, remarkable? No, right now? I
1: forgot to do that one. Hang on just a minute. Let me think about it. Annie F. Downs.
0: Annie F. Downs is remarkable to yes, you. Yes.
1: I love you, Annie. Um, I just love the way that she is um, transparent, and she is truly seeking to just reach, reel in all age groups, um, and she's seeking to constantly learn. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I want to I be that, a yeah. constant student.
0: Yeah. Um, so who is remarkable to me? Who's
1: remarkable to you, Jeremy?
0: Yeah. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Craig Groeschel, and and here's the reason. So I've followed Craig's you know ministry for years and years and years, um, and I've been able to kind of watch him from afar. I don't know Craig, right? I've read his books, I've listened to his sermons, but I've been able to watch him go from being a dad to being a grandparent. Now, um, I've watched him lead his congregation, plant you know satellite campuses all over. Um, developing things like the Bible app and the Bible app for kids, and all of that, and continue to stay relevant as he gets older. Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, every day that I'm alive, I'm realized how much older I am. This last week, I spoke at a college retreat um, up at Murray University, and the opening illustration that I started with was an event that occurred in years of my life in 2008. That was the that was my opening. Like I just wanted to share. This is in 2008. This is what was going on. And the the kids that were in the the crowd were in grade school. Yeah, they were eight. <laughs> they were eight years old. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and and you know, I know that I'm old. I get that. Um, <laughs> That's just painful, hurt laugh right there. I know, right. <laughs> And so uh, Craig is just so remarkable at how he has been able to continue to stay relevant and and um, and man it just he looks so cool. You, you you look cool too. No, let's not. I appreciate your um, your uh, your enthusiasm, but it's it's a lie.
1: It's not a lie. <laughs> it is a lie. I,
0: married I, I you. thought I was cool. Listen, I thought I was cool. I had this denim blue jean jacket. And um, and I thought it was cool. I was using it. I was wearing it when I was speaking because I watched some other pastors and they wear jackets when they speak. Oh, that's and I was right. going to wear it. And and I went and spoke at a at a D now for some students a couple weeks ago, and and my buddy that's a youth pastor at the church referred to me wearing. Uh, he said I really like your Canadian tuxedo because <laughs> <laughs> it was denim on top and denim on bottom. Okay, I and gotta I start like, pinning some more like, stuff on Pinterest. I was like, okay. I tried. Dressing. Now I have to go. Now I have to go burn this jacket.
1: No, we. Don't, you there need you to are. wear it with colored jeans. I'm trying to get you to understand that, like your mustard colored jeans or your gray but, jeans. <sighs> Yeah, come I'm on, people!
0: Cool yes, you are. All right, y'all. Listen, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to go down and um, like the podcast. Comment yes. on the podcast. See, leave us a review. Share the podcast. We like five stars. Yes, um, but you, you know, if you give us two, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to start doing
1: shameless plugs.
0: Um, I don't. Okay. But you can, yeah, so like all that, um, follow us on social media. You can find us wherever um, we are. Email us, jeremy at crosswindchurch.net or jgap20 at gmail.com. Until next time, let's work hard at being unremarkable.